Yo, this is M1 from Dead Press. Hey, what's up? This is Boots from the Coop. Now I mean, telling you to stay tuned to Hard Knock Radio. Keep it locked. On the move, this is Pam Africa on Hard Knock Radio, the station of resistance. What's up, folks? This is your girl Femi representing the whole Bay Area. I'm here on Hard Knock Radio. This is SJ Miyashiro, old school graffiti writer. And when I'm not... I'm listening to Hard Knock Radio. San Francisco. Home to the Golden Gate Bridge, Fisherman's Wharf, and the Cable Car. Yeah. Much respect. Frisco. Where we going? I'm the heart and soul of Frisco City. It's for everybody in San Francisco. You know what I'm talking about? Repping it everywhere you go. The city. I love y'all, man. Y'all I'm the heart and soul of Frisco City. Where you from? Disco, disco, got my game from the mission to the mode I rep the whole city though, entirely Every turf from Frisco inspired me To the Black Hole Swamp and HP Army Street, VG's and Hay Street To the Hill Lake View and the Avenues Something about that San Fran attitude I got love for, it's unconditional We need to unify and free Mac Minister Minister my business up and show the industry That we hit till they pull this history We made history with at the Players Club and let them fight to everybody like your back is up. And cool nothing to me changed the rap game. Made y'all respect the way San Fran came. Yeah, this the West to the day that I pass. I'm a rep at San That's what we do. I'm the heart and soul of Frisco City. Yeah, it's the 41 Thief. Born and raised in the SFC. song that's a classic heart and soul frisco city brought to you by our guest this afternoon equipto the man who definitely represents uh, the city and county by the bay and uh, there's a lot going on um the city by the bay has a lot of challenges going on gentrification um a lot of dissatisfaction with the mayor um and, and sadly, a lot of violence with its police force. And we wanted to talk to Equipto, who's been in the middle of many of these fights from the gentrification 
Um, he does not let the mayor breathe, and that's a good thing. A lot of people have been cheering you for that. And, uh, yeah. and, and of course, we want to talk about um, what happened two years ago with the shooting death of Alex Nieto. So welcome to the show, Crypto. Um, how are you man. feeling this morning? I'm feeling great, man. It's, it's, it's my born day today, actually, so I'm feeling really good. Talk to my brother, David D., you know what I mean? Appreciate you having me on here. Yeah, and happy birthday. Happy 21st. <laughs> ah, yes, sir, we, yes, we, we go back many moons. Um, yes, let, me, let, me, let me start off a little bit serious. Uh, Alex Nieto, um, we had people like Ben on and a uh, few of the people that have been fighting this fight to get justice for Alex Nieto. And many of us were heartbroken and disappointed that uh, a jury... Uh, found these cops who shot this brother 40-something times innocent. What, what's your thoughts on it? What, how are you reflecting on this day? Well, being that it's a two-year anniversary of him being murdered, it's, and it's my birthday, it, it touches me very, very personally in a sense. Um, it happened in my neighborhood. Bernal Heights is where I was born and raised. And like I said, I'm, I'm Colombian. I'm a Latino brother as well. So I, I really, you know, relate and like feel a lot of pain for this family. And the Nietos, I think of them almost every day of my life now. And just to, as, as, as well as uh, Gwen, you know, Mario Mario's mother. And it's just a shame of what's going on right now. And I think the main thing we have to do is turn this, you know, this tragedy into something beautiful, which I believe is happening. Because what we understand and what we done our research and our history, we're aware that the system is not broken. This is how they want it to be. It's just in a, we're just in an age now where it's more conditioned and we're in our comfort zone. So we're like, we can't beat the system. It's impossible to get any change. And that's what's going on with, with, you know, these decisions that these people are making. But in San Francisco at this moment, the black and brown community is really, really coming together. Uh, the, the families of Mario Woods and Alex Nieto, Amir Carpérez. Uh, I think it's a very special time right now because it, we all know that they've been trying, and not just trying, but succeeding in dividing our communities from the Bayview to the Mission to the Fillmore and just not knowing really how our cultures are all of one pretty much and our struggles are of one, you know, being the black and brown community and yellow community which we need we need them to get more involved in, you know. So it's just that's what's going on, basically. Um, you know, they, they they said that it was an unlawful killing murder, which is impossible. I mean, if anything with 59 shots fired, period, is excessive force. And I think we just have to really take this to the next level. we got to take it to the Bill of Rights. We have to get to the, the you know, change policy, take it to the state level. Because... Right. Mario Woods and the Alex Nieto, it's not on CNN. It's not on, you know, the main channels of the mainstream. We're fighting like hell out here to get it, you know, for people to understand these mainstream artists and, you know, um, to understand that they have a voice. And that's what I'm trying to do, man, out here in San Francisco. We're talking with Equipto, if you're just tuning in, and we're talking about um, the two years ago what happened, Bernal Heights. Um, somebody saw Alex Nieto and saw him to be suspicious. Let's talk about that because this is not the San Francisco that many people grew up with. This is not the San Francisco that I know you were repping in that song that we just played. Um, right. The tone has changed a lot. Talk about Alex, people seeing him as being suspicious in his own neighborhood, and a police force that rushes and without even questioning shoots him, even though he's a guy who was basically uh, uh, studying to go into law enforcement. Right. I mean, this is it's ridiculous, really. I mean, you know, you think of the law enforcement and the people of color that are in there, you know, and the, even the gay officers and all them that are not speaking up and having no type of voice of any type of wrongful doing. I mean, you know, they, they they brag, the police officers, the SFPD brag of how they're trying to get people with the community actually to be become police officers, you know. And, th and it's a problem because, to me, anyone that wants to become a police officer, period, 
there's there's something wrong. You know what I mean? Like if you're not you're not really trying to serve and protect the community. Now, Vernal Heights, like I said, where I was born and raised, I you know it's a Latino community. I you know we would back in the days it'd be suspicious to see a, a weird a hipster a white dude out here uh, walking his wolf like dog. You know we that would be suspicious. So what they're trying to do, just like we talked earlier the other day about state and how they're trying to get rid of ethnic studies and things like that. Basically, they're trying to get rid of ethnic people. And that's what's going on. They're trying to, they're, like you said, they're pulling up, they're just pulling out their pistols and shooting on site. This is, you know, it's a, it's a, a scene, a cop that's with a, a rookie cop showing him the ropes. That's what was going on. And Morse was actually, Roger Morse was showing this youngster the ropes of how you're supposed to treat brown people in their own community that just because they have a niner jacket now it's a fear of what's going on that's what the, the call came from someone obviously in fear of, of just people of color that are in their, their own neighborhood and they don't even know it themselves because like we said we're dealing with a lot of transplant a lot of people out here that don't respect the culture and don't respect what happened here before then you know you um you have stayed on uh, Mayor Ed Lee, like like a, a linebacker going after the quarterback, you have not let him breathe. Um, his his uh, approval ratings have tanked, and uh, and it's now being noted that there's very few public places that this mayor can go to without being um, challenged by people like yourselves and others. Let's talk about Ed Lee, the mayor, and the tone that he has set for this city in San Francisco. How did he come into being? What is he about at this point in time? Well, he came about to Willie Brown. Basically, he's he's a Willie Brown disciple, or whatever you might want to call him. And basically, he's not even fit to be a mayor. He was in there through Gavin Newsom, and you know, and, and just got appointed. And he's quote unquote was of the people a time ago in the sixties or whatnot in the seventies where he was, you know, a civil rights lawyer helping for tenants' rights and housing rights. How ironic, you know. And wait, he was helping for housing rights? Yes, he used to be a quote unquote activist for Chinese Americans and housing rights in San Francisco, actually. You know, and he was you know, he was with us, quote unquote. He was of the people. And that's what I was told. I've seen pictures. I've done some reading on it. And so he's really just a, a, a person that's a sellout, and he knows better. That's how I look at it. But basically, he got into power becoming a puppet and rolling out the red carpet, as they say, for all these tax cuts and tax breaks for Twitter and what have you. All these big-time billionaire companies have begun tax breaks, basically saying, come here for free. So he's been rolling out the red carpet, making all these developers and investors, you know, foaming at the mouth, can't wait to come out here, get new buildings. That's why we have all these cranes in the sky, and they're building multiple, multiple buildings of just, you know, all for all these techs, all these new people that's coming in. And this displacement is what's going on. The displacement, the gentrification, like we said, people are getting evicted. People that have helped this community themselves, pastors and you know activists and regular families, people that are out here just that's been here over thirty years, we've seen their rent jump from like twelve hundred literally to five thousand. You know, it's like a four thousand, and and if they can't pay it, someone else will. That's how that's how much money is out here. He's, he's accumulated and and built this society to where there's more million there's just as much millionaires as there are homeless people in san francisco i don't know if there's a place that a place like that that, that exists in this world so ed lee is really and he doesn't know how to conduct himself at these meetings and that's why our coalition and everybody else the last three percent black lives matter um everybody that's really against what ed lee is doing is standing up and finding out where he's at because he has no way of you know, representing himself. Every time we go there, and we have it. It's a Q and A session, or it's a breakfast, and he's trying to speak upon the uh, economy forecast. It's nothing about there about the homeless. It's nothing there about the black and brown communities that's going through. It's nothing about the educational budget cuts 
that's going on at City College in the state. He's not. He has no. You know, and and he really has no plan of action. So he's the puppet, and that's what's been going on. Ron Conway and these billionaires are giving him money, briefcase money, paper bag money, for him to be doing exactly what they say. Just keep opening the door for these rich people to come in and turn San Francisco into Manhattan. That's what they're trying to do. You mentioned he's a puppet coming out of Willie Brown's camp. Where does Willie Brown stand on all this? Um, you know, because we never saw it this bad on his watch. So why the change? Well, I think it was just the beginning. It's like anything takes process. I think a lot. Myself, I mean, you know, I was part of the, hey, Willie Brown, we have a brother as a mayor, you know, back then. And I didn't, you know, I didn't understand the politics of what was going on and how he, you know, basically gentrified the Fillmore. You know, he was part of that as well. So I think a lot of it is, it just trickles down. You know, maybe he had a good heart when he came in. I, I, I really can't speak for Willie Brown as far as that, but when money gets into the picture and greed gets into the picture, I think and human beings do things that you would never imagine. And I think that's what's happening. There's a lot of money and the transformation from Silicon Valley to San Francisco of everyone moving from the South Bay because that's where all the Internet, everything, you know, started and foundated pretty much is moving out here, and we made it comfortable for that. Willie Brown was part of that. Gavin Newsom was part of that. And they're all, basically, they birthed Ed Lee. That's how I look at it. Cause it, it someone like Ed Lee and these systems, these, these things that we face, they don't come overnight. You know, this has been happening, and this is just something now that's just at a state of emergency, I think, right now, just what it's at. There have been some victories in San Francisco, um, people uh, like yourself and, you know, folks like the last 3% have done tremendous work, whether it's getting Beyonce and Alicia Keys to speak on these these uh, situations. A lot of people don't know that Beyonce and all that, it was because uh, people in, in the coalitions and, and, and groups that you and others roll with were able to get at them, you know, people like Renisha and, and others. Um, yes. But I bring that up to say, you know, there was also the stopping of uh, of uh, of uh, juvenile prison. You know, a lot of that disruption worked. But I want to go back to, you know, this this thing, this this coming together of communities and where that goes and how people, um, you know, can can build up on that momentum and what pitfalls to watch out because somebody like an Ed Lee would try to do a divide and conquer thing. So let's talk about, you know, the mission and HP and all these communities really coming together. Yeah. I mean, I think basically this hasn't happened since, like you said, the Black Panthers and the Brown Berets. I mean, it's something, and it's just the beginning phases, really. We're really trying to find out, doing our study, doing our research, and like you said, not to fall into the same little co-entail traps that are going to happen that I'm aware that Ed Lee is trying to set up and certain things like that and wants to quiet us down, wants to hush us up. That's what's going on. I mean, I just, we just definitely have to watch out for pe people that are trying to divide us. I think the only solution is solidarity within us and unity and building with each other on a regular basis. That's what this, that's what this whole black and brown coming together thing is because being in San Francisco and, you know, growing up and born and raised in San Francisco and, and even, you know, just people that have been here a long time to understand what it, it is to, you know, uh, be here, how, how privileged we are to have our culture like this. Like in, in other countries, other cities, really, it's, it's not like this, you know, and we have to take advantage of that. I think that's what's special about it. We could be an example to show how the black and brown community get together. We have Bayview Cats coming to the Mission Cultural Center, and we have uh, Mission Cats and brothers and sisters coming through to the tall, uh, you know, the town hall in the Bayview. This has never happened before. And, you know, like you said, if it's at the cost of Alex Nieto and Mario Woods, Kenneth Harden, Amir Cáceres, that's what we're going to make happen. We have to do it when their names won't go in vain. And that's what I'm trying to motivate people to understand. Like, we have to let make this be the reason for us to stand for justice and, and stand for what's right. You know, if, if not now, I don't know when we're going to stand for anything. Because after this... It's, it's just everybody's on conformity level. Everybody wants to just be accept what's going on. So right. I think we just have to watch out, you know, watch out for Ed Lee, 
and stay on his helmet, stay on his line, bring the pressure on all angles, whether it be radically and diplomatically. You know, we have to be on his line, Greg Sir's line, all these supervisors' line. We have to be at them. We've, we've been talking with a crypto um, activist and very well-known artist. And, and I got to say, you know, crypto, a lot of people know you for your music. We did play one of your songs. But, man, you and people like Selassie, and others who are artists have stepped up to the point that we almost forget, oh, yeah, you got <laughs> you got albums and stuff. <laughs> you know, it's like I'm almost forgetting, like, oh, yeah, this brother actually can pack a house and, and throw down. But that goes to show you, I guess, kind of the direction that many of you all have been doing in the city. Like, it's been all hands on deck. Oh, yeah. I mean, like you said, the, getting the, uh, the artists, getting Alicia Keys and Beyonce and all that, that was, that's, that's been a goal of ours, as me and Selassie and the brothers out here in San Francisco, as an artist, is just to use our voice more wisely. You know, my my, my incident with Ed Lee uh, in November when I seen him at a cafe, that pretty much shift everything, shifted everything yeah, for me. Yeah, for people who don't know, yeah. can you remind them of what happened in, 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 at that incident? Yeah, um, it was at Max's Cafe on Van Ness. I was with my family eating, uh, you know, and... Ed Lee was sitting across from us, and I just wanted to give him a piece of my mind. And my nephews were with me. My young nephews were 20-something, so they recorded it with their phone. and They wanted the world star it and all that. <laughs> so we just been accumulated with me and my friends. It's not like we've been on the, you know, we do music. We're artists, yes, we're, you know, rebellious. But we've never been constantly on the front line like this, but we've been discussing it. So everything that led up to that Ed Lee incident, as I've seen him, we told him we've been, we're, we're, you know, unsatisfied about how he's running the city and being an Asian American. I'm, I'm half Japanese and I'm half Columbia. So I am yellow. I am brown. And I'm not proud of how Ed Lee was, is and was at that point in the city. So I keep to my mom and told him he's an embarrassment to Asians and the people that have built this city are all getting kicked out because of him. You know, and um, basically it went viral. I didn't think, I thought it might have got a couple hundred likes, but it got like over a couple hundred thousand shares in one day or something. And, and it showed me, it showed me how people don't even, who don't even know who Equipto is, were sharing it and how they relate. So it went viral, yeah, because I'm equipped, it went viral because I'm Equipto, but it also went viral because a lot of people related to what I was saying, you know, and they, they understood what was, you know, what, what I was speaking on. Basically, so it was it was a big moment for me to really link with these victims, these people that have been displaced from their home, that have been are, are part of this gentrification that's going on. Talking to them on a one on one basis, meeting Mario's mother and throwing a fundraiser, and being able to be personally not a grassroots nonprofit organization, just an, an event of people coming together and looking out for the community. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that that's what it was. So dealing with these victims and all that from that Ed Lee incident and Max's diner really changed everything. That's real talk. You know, I, I want to remind people tonight um, there is a vigil to remember Alex Nieto. Can you tell people about that? Yes, 6 p.m. today at Bernal Hill. Basically drive all the way up Alabama, um, Bernal Hill, Bernal Heights Park. They're having a memorial vigil for Alex Nieto um, last time, last year. I think there was a thousand people out there. And, you know, I, we expect just as much. And I think it's important to show our love and to really honor, you know, this family that's been so strong through the whole trial and facing these police in their face. And it's just like, it's it's so remarkable. It's real touching and it's emotional and but it's something that if you go there just to pay your respects, it's it's something like a it's an igniter to get started in this resistance. You know, it's a way for us, you know, like I said, that's all it takes to see what's going on, be part of the community. So 6 p.m. at Bernal Park. I should remind people um, when you say the family has been facing a lot of hardship, uh, one of the things that, you know, and you kind of alluded to this um, earlier one of the police officers was bragging about shooting Alex Nieto and was talking about 
he should have shot the people that actually made this thing go to case, a court. Can you talk about that? I mean, because here we have this culture in SFPD where, you know, people are first passing around racist messages. This mayor who, um, you know, went all out to make sure that um, when Sheriff Marcarini had domestic violence problem, he made it a point to see that there was punishment and that he was suspended. Um, he used every power in his arsenal to see that happen. But when these police officers were making racial remarks and exchanging text messages and even attacking black officers um, with their vitriol, all of them are back to work. Um, you have this guy put out on Facebook that he wants to, you know, tase and, and, and assault the family members. He's still working. What is this about? Can you explain and let people know about that? Well, basically, right after the trial, um, you know, they, the officer Morse posted a... Uh, you you went in and out. If you the, could repeat that slowly, you went in and out. Um, the phone dropped out on you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, basically, right after the trial had ended, the officer, Roger Morse, had posted a comment on a picture of Alex Nieto smiling. He said, smiling? And saying it sarcastically, how about we tase, you know, we put his house on fire and tase the person that tried to prosecute us. Basically talking to Benjamin, who's a stand-up, incredible gentleman and a great inspiration for our city and the mission community. And, you know, and just to, just to even do something like that, it just shows you how these police feel. Now, when they're even showing, when Alex Nieto's mother was making her last statement in the courthouse, these policemen weren't even looking at her. They were at the table sharing papers, you know, looking at each other, whispering or whatnot. Uh, and it just shows you the kind of people that are working in this system. Now, that, like you said, you know, it's, it's, it's a shame, you know. And what's, what's going on is the text messages, like you said, the emails, the attacks on Yolanda Williams, who is the female black officer that was getting threats, who is a, a police officer of the community, you know, and... I mean, but, and, and like we said before, it's all tolerated by Ed Lee. Ed Lee can make this thing stop, but well, not stop, but he can put a, a show and use his voice and his power through a simple signature of firing Greg Sir, because it, it, it stands from the Ed Lee to Greg Sir tolerating all this under his watch. Under his watch were all these murders of all these young brothers. And, you know, and under his watch was the, was the, the text gate, these emails, the racist and homophobic emails and text messages that nothing's been done about. It's been over years. So basically, this is what we're dealing with. And I, I say what we have to do or what we should do, in my opinion, is we have to take it to the state because we have to change the policy. Obviously, they're in the right. They, they're, they said they're, quote, unquote, in the right to kill. These officers have the right to kill when they feel, quote, unquote, threatened. Now, the training, these police are getting fired from 7-Eleven and becoming officers. These police officers are killing people across in, uh, across other areas in Concord and Hayward and becoming San Francisco police officers. We're welcoming in these murderous police. That's what the SFPD is doing. They're trying to get, like we said before, they're trying to get rid of ethnic people, brother, you know. So we have to do it ourselves. We have to bring the pressure. Because uh, otherwise, you know, these text messages, these emails, and these blasts, you know, blasts on, on uh, social media, that's an attack on us, and let alone an attack on the community, community physically, it's the only way we're going to combat it is coming together and really taking it to their face, you know, and we really have to take it to their face. Equipto, we appreciate you taking time out um, this afternoon. Uh, Six o'clock, Bernal Hill in Bernal Heights, San Francisco will be the commemoration for Alex Nieto. Um, we're going to be later talking with folks uh, later on during the week um, to get updates on uh, Mario Woods. And I know you've been knee-deep in that coalition, the Justice for Mario Woods coalition. Um, so we'll be talking with people like that. But I do want to let people know um, that uh, people like yourselves and others have been building with folks nationwide and have been an inf uh, inspiration and so there's a lot of people that are being made aware of the situation and eyes and ears are leaning and are watching closely what is going on in San Francisco in the Bay Area. 
And uh, I, I say, you know, now is to turn up even more than to lay back. Right. Let me say something, Davey. Like, like you said, it is important that we do celebrate these small victories, brother, like you said. There are good things happening. We can't always be so um, down on ourselves and oppressed. Yes, we have to be aware. We have to be woke and stay woke. But there are small victories happening. People have been fighting for decades. And I salute all those for San Francisco. And, you know, people have been fighting for Oakland. And I'm, like you said, I'm getting knee deep in it. And I'm going to do my best, and you know, to fight for this city, to fight for San Francisco, to fight for my people. And we do have to understand that we are making traction. We are making noise. And this, like you said, it's better time, no time than now to turn up on them. There you have it. You know, I think we're going to leave out. I'm going to play a little clip <laughs> from you stepping to the mayor. And, uh, you know, so people can know how a crypto gets down. And we'll we'll leave out of here with that in a song. So, crypto, thank you so much for joining us on Hard Knock Radio this afternoon. Appreciate you, David D, for everything you do, brother. Thank you. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. How are you? I'm all right, but we're a disgrace to Asians, man. You know, you have no heart, man. You know, you, the people that built this city, you're getting them all kicked out of here, man. That's some, that's some cold You're a part of it, and I know you are, man. I know you're linked with mobsters and things like that, bro. But that's a we've shit. been in you, this city. You need to have some heart. And you're a disgrace to real. worked for the community. You're a disgrace to Asians, man. We can make a change. You're kicking people out, man. You're kicking the people that built this city out of here. And that's a shame. You should be ashamed of yourself. And, and my main point is that oftentimes we talk about making it. You never really make it. Um, what you make is really the journey. And if you don't enjoy the journey, then you're going to really be missing it. And you're going to get to a point where you will quote unquote make it. And you're really gonna miss the journey. The journey. At times it seems like we'll go nowhere. Hard work, no play. The game will go there. Take you on a ride. Life under pressure, tired of the same Results against effort, might take forever I know it sounds silly, but it wouldn't mean nothing Unless you struggle with me Yeah, we all soldiers, pushing for life To evolve and comrades, ready to fight For the cause, although it's never real To some who ain't feeling me But those live the struggle, and it's still a dream So hold on, keep on playing my songs Cause you know I'ma hustle till the day that I'm gone I'm gon' push
flying first class on the airplane. You're gonna miss those days because there's something uh, magical about when you're struggling to try and move from point A to point B that really will define you as a man or a woman. And I think a lot of people um, get caught up in seeing people on TV and think that they just made it overnight and, re and not realizing that nobody makes it overnight. It's like a 10, 15 year journey for most people. And, um, and it's that journey that's really gonna be the thing that you, you should cherish. So um, one of the things I would do is record those moments. Brothers and sisters, today as we gather on this Saturday, March 11th in Gary, Indiana, 24 million black people have been ratified as a new colossus of power in world history. At this historical National Black Political Convention, for many of us here, black politics is a new baby for the masses of black people. Brother Hatcher came up north and got a house in Gary and said to all of the scattered children in the various black tribes across the nation, come home. I know my home is too small, brothers and sisters, but it's home. Come home. We would have gone to New York, but we didn't have a home there. We would have gone to California, but we didn't have a home there. Over in this little smoke-filled small city called Gary, one of our black brothers said, tribes, come home. The tribe in Mississippi does not know the tribe in California. The tribe in New York does not know the tribe in Georgia. And now that Brother Hatcher and Barack and Diggs have called the tribes home, the challenge of our coming together is so great until nobody has the right to rob the family of this opportunity to organize political power. As we go about the business of outlining national priorities, here today in this United States of America, built by the dehumanizing institution of slavery, built on the tortured muscles of our forebears, the African diaspora has trumpeted its summons to all of the tribes with a question put forth by Brother Baraka, whose answer alone legitimatizes our collective existence. Brothers and sisters, what time is it? It's nation time. It's nation time for all of the tribes from Boston to Birmingham, Mississippi to Minnesota, San Diego to Seattle, and Galveston to Gary. What time is it? About 13 black congressmen, one U.S. senator, 81 black mayors, 677 black school board members, 873 black elected officials in 11 southern states, 2,000 black elected and appointed officials and legislatures and governments. What time is it? For 7,500,000 registered black voters, 6 million unregistered black voters, what time is it? For black Democrats, black Republicans, black Panthers, black Muslims, black independents, black laborers, black businessmen, black professionals, black mothers on welfare, what time is it? Black is our common denominator. Brother Malcolm X said on more occasions than one, we saw ourselves as house slaves, field slaves, and yard slaves. Only when we recognized our common denominator was slavery, and that our numerators didn't make any difference could we come together and begin to break it up. I don't want to be the gray shadow of the white elephant of one party. I don't want to be a part of the gray shadow of the white donkey. I am 21, it is 72, 
I am a black man. I want a black party. I do not trust white Republicans or white Democrats. Other ethnic groups cultivated politics. They developed the skills of political manipulation. We've been busy buying more records than books and dancing away our lives. We're not going to take over this nation drunk or on dope. We must be sober. We got to know what's going down. It is bad. It is real bad to be in a slum. But it's far worse to have that slum in you. That must. A lot of us running around talking about genocide. But before the man can get to us, black on black killing is fratricide. That is when the slum has gotten in us. When we snatch our own black women's pocketbooks, the slum is in us. When we run down black folks and run from white folk, the slum is in us. get no slum out you by drinking no chlorophyll neither. You got to clean off your mind. It ain't your breath, it is your thought patterns. Let us clean up our minds. It was only four years ago in Memphis, Tennessee, where a black southern city with a 38% black population gave only 12% of that vote to a black man, A.W. Willis. Brother Willis, in his own profound way, said, I see what the problem is. We need more than a voter bill. He said, I see what the situation is. We need more than civil rights. The black man has been taught to be inferior. He thinks the white man's ice is colder, thinks his sugar is sweeter thinks his medicine is better, we got to clean off our minds. We got to put our minds inside of our bodies. If your body is here and your mind is in some white camp, you are a schizophrenic. Check out your mind. white people are having white conventions. They are not preoccupied with the ghetto. While black people are having black conventions, we shouldn't be preoccupied with the suburb. Let us deal with our own self-business. Let us deal with the facts of the matter. If the 22 million to 25 million black Americans constituted a distinct nation, this Afro-American population would be the 26th largest nation in the world. We would be the third largest black nation in the world, third only to Nigeria and Ethiopia. With our $35 billion, we would be the richest black nation on earth, 15th richest nation in the globe. Check out our minds. We are not here to deal with white attitudes. We are here to deal with economic conduct. We ain't talking so much about right and wrong, good and evil, sin and salvation. We're talking about profit, loss, asset, liability, short-term, long-term. Economics is the issue.
As a result of 1964 and Dr. King and others, we got our civil rights. As a result of the Selma movement, we're beginning to get our civil power. But now we find ourselves with the right to move in any neighborhood in America. And we can't pay the note. We have the right to go to any school in America. We can't pay the tuition. We got the right to buy any car in America. But we can't stop it from being repossessed. We are not arguing about our constitutionality. We are raising the basic question, when will we get paid for the work we have already done? Some of us are getting a little excited about the fact that now we got 13 black congressmen. And that is only 3% of what we're supposed to have. We are supposed to have 52 black congressmen. We got a long ways to go. In this coming year, when the debate of this convention will be over, when the philosophy will be over, when our favorite outfit will have been modeled. This year, there will be possibly a black congressman, a woman from Atlanta, Boston, Houston, Los Angeles, and Chapel Hill. And the question is, if that stands a chance to get five or 10 more black congressmen, will we leave here working or will we leave here debating? We must understand quantitative politics, but we must also understand qualitative politics. When the speeches are over, the question is, is your next door neighbor registered? Can you deliver your block? Can you deliver your ward? Can you deliver your district? Will you put your body where your ideals are? When I look at Imam Mubaraka and Congressman Diggs, and I look at uh, John Conyers and Tyron Mitchell, you look at Carl Stokes, we got the minds, except our problem is not that we got too much ego. That ain't the problem. Some of us been discussing that we got too much ego. We don't even understand the ego as it relates to the id and the super ego. Fact of the matter is, we are sitting here, we ain't got enough ego. We are willing, even those who recognize that ego is confidence, we sit here with healthy black bodies, we sit here with developed black minds, and yet, where's our ego? It ain't there. When we jam each other, that ain't ego, that is abuse. When you sit here with your healthy black body, sit here with your developed black mind and then put your confidence, put your creativity, put your belief in somebody else who is less intelligent than you to represent you. Your ego has been castrated. You need an ego. Man, oh man. That is Jesse Jackson giving an incredible speech, 1972, at the National Black Political Convention, Gary, Indiana. Incredible speech there. What time is it? What time is it? Nation time, if you don't remember that. In the meantime, just want to thank everybody for tuning in. We are on our way out the door. Um, don't forget tonight, uh, Bernal Heights. Bernal Hill, second anniversary as we commemorate the life of Alex Nieto, taken by racist cops who work for SFPD. Um, thank you, Equipto, our guest this afternoon, for breaking down the specifics. We will be back tomorrow with another edition of Hard Knock Radio. We're out the door for now. 
Stay strong, stay faithful. Peace.